0: Hey friends, I'm Jenny Meyer and you're listening to The Rooted Truth Podcast, where we look at the world through a biblical lens. We talk about real life, biblical truth, and how to walk with Jesus through it all. Be sure to follow me on social at Jenny Meyer and at The Rooted Truth. Also, be sure to subscribe to the members only, all exclusive episodes on The Rooted Truth Podcast by going to www.therootedtruth.com. Now let's get started. Before we get started with today's episode, I have a very exciting update to share. As you've heard me tell you before, Lori from Remnant Rising and I started the Rooted Truth Collective in January. This is a Christian community that includes Bible studies, deep dives into biblical topics, the members' podcast, and a censor-free community with like-minded individuals. Now for our exciting update. Starting now, We have partnered with Amy from Eyes on the Right to bring you the very best content from a biblical worldview. But not only that, we are officially launching our very own app. Search The Rooted Truth in the App Store or Google Play to get a free sample of what comes with The Collective. As a member of The Collective, you'll receive full app access that includes Bible studies, mini deep dives, the member's podcast that dives into fringe topics, a community chat feature, devotions, and our brand new mini topical audio studies called What the Bible Says About. Lori, Amy, and I are committed to bring you the very best, and we hope to see you inside the collective. Go check it out at therootedtruth.com. Hey friends, welcome back to the Walking Through the Bible series on the podcast. Today we are in part nine of the series and we're walking through the book of Joshua. Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible and authorship is attributed to Joshua himself besides the record of his death and burial as we see in chapter 24. The timeline of events take place around 1405 to 1398-ish BC, give or take. And the main theme of the book is that the Israelites conquest to take the promised land. So we left off with the end um, of Deuteronomy where Moses dies, and then the Lord passes on this leadership to Joshua. The book of Joshua picks up immediately following the events of Deuteronomy 34. The Israelites are on the east side of the Jordan River, so close to the promised land, which was actually on the west side of the river. This book was written as a historical account of how these Israelites took control of the promised land, although we see throughout their story how some of their failure to obey God's command completely sets the foundation for future problems, as you see throughout the Old Testament. Joshua's commission from God was to lead the people across the Jordan River and then take possession of the land. After 40 years in the desert, they were finally able to enter this promised land, but it wouldn't come without a battle. I think it's really important in this case to talk a bit about the historical context of what was going on around them and inside the promised land. I found a great summary that I'd like to read. It is from BibleStudyTools.com, and it says, At the time of the Israelite migration into Canaan, the superpowers of the ancient Near East were relatively weak. The Hittites had faded from the scene. Neither Babylon nor Egypt could maintain a standing military presence in Canaan, and the Assyrians would not send in their armies until centuries later. As the tribes circled east of the Dead Sea, the Edomites refused them passage, so Israel bypassed them to the east. However, when Shidon and Og, two regional Amorite kings of Transjordan tried to stop the Israelites, they were easily defeated and their lands occupied. Moab was forced to let Israel pass through her territory and camp in her plains. Biblical archaeologists call this period the Late Bronze Age from 1550 to about 1200 BC. Today, thousands of artifacts give testimony to the richness of the Canaanite material culture, which was in many ways superior to that of the Israelites. When the ruins of the ancient kingdom of Urigrit were discovered at modern Rosh Shemar, so sorry if I get those, those wrong, wrongly pronounced, um, on the northern coast of Syria, a wealth of new information came to light concerning the domestic, commercial, and religious life of the Canaanites. From a language close to Hebrew came stories of ancient kings and gods that revealed their immoral behavior and cruelty. In addition, pagan temples, altars, tombs, and ritual vessels have been uncovered, throwing more light on the culture and customs of the peoples surrounding Israel. Okay, so as we can see, a lot was going on around the Israelites before they took control of the promised land, and honestly, afterwards as well. So I want to make note that many people struggle with the thought that God told the Israelites to demolish the Canaanites who were in that land, right? So God tells, tells them, take them all out, don't leave any. But the reason being is that these Canaanites came from the line of Nephilim, known as the Raphaim. These were genetically modified creatures. The, the same corruption that was taking place before God flooded the world, so in Noah's day, was happening again. So with that in mind, it makes sense why they had to be completely wiped out. The book starts out, so Joshua, the book of Joshua starts out with God commissioning Joshua to lead the Israelites into the promised land. This takes place immediately following the death of Moses, like I said, and in all reality, Joshua had really big shoes to fill, that of Moses, and I'm sure that he was nervous, but God encouraged him. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is actually Joshua 1.19. So the Lord is talking to Joshua and says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That, That holds true for us today, so keep that in mind as you go throughout and you face these trials that we are in today's world. So moving after that, we see this very famous Bible story in Joshua chapter two, the story of Rahab. After the people swear allegiance to Joshua, he wants to spy out the land of Jericho. First on his list to conquer was was this city. Joshua sends two spies across the river to investigate the land. They get into Jericho and meet a prostitute named Rahab. She ends up hiding the spies in her house with the promise that they will protect her and her family. So this story doesn't really wrap up until chapter six after they all cross the Jordan River. They set up this these memorial stones that they will never forget God's provision and protection. Then in chapter six, we see the destruction of Jericho, all by following the specific instructions of the Lord and marching around the city. This is a really cool story. And I really encourage you to read this story, because that is they, they are literally obeying what God tells them, despite it sounding weird, right? March around the city one time for six days. And then on the seventh, march around seven times. But on the seventh time around, blow your horns, blow your shofars. So they do this. They spared the life of Rahab. And, and her family as they had promised, which is really cool because when you're looking at the genealogy of Rahab, King David actually was a descendant from her. And we know that Jesus came from the line of David. So this really just goes to show that God can use anyone for his glory, even a prostitute like Rahab, who then I'm assuming changed her life, right? Met this, this God of Israel, came to believe in him and trust him, changed her life then David came from her and then Jesus came from the line of David so really it just shows how powerful God really is and that he really does see the bigger picture at hand so if again if you haven't read that story i highly recommend it it's it's just really cool to see how God works so following the destruction of Jericho in the next handful of chapters in this book we see Joshua continuing to follow God's orders. That is kind of like a main theme for me in reading this book is that God tells them what to do, Joshua does it, right? Even though there may be some um, disobedience that, that some of the Israelites do and we see the fallout of that. But after Jericho, Ai was the next town to work through and it took them two tries, right? Because of disobedience the first time, but the second time they obeyed, they eventually dominated them Um, through the hand and the work of God and through their obedience. But this was the second attempt. The Israelites then occupied the southern land and eventually then took over the northern land. And I want to make note that something really cool happens in Joshua chapter 10. So all the kings of the Amorites had gathered together against Joshua and the Israelites, but the Lord told him not to fear. Again, do not fear. I am with you. They defeated these great kings being led by the Lord. And then Joshua spoke to the Lord in chapter 10 and told the sun to stand still over Gibeon. And it did. You guys, the sun did not move for a whole day. And during that time, the Lord, it says the Lord fought for Israel. The sun stood still. The moon stood still, did not move. So it was daytime for a whole day, not just 12 hours, a whole day. Um, It's such a cool story that, again, reminds us of how how in control God really is. The sun, the moon, the stars. He controls it all, all of it, everything in our lives as well. So moving on, we see the continued conquest. And then finally, starting in chapter 13, the promised land is finally divided up among the tribes. The book of Joshua wraps up with chapter 23 and 24, he is gathering all the people together. So Joshua gathers all the people. And at this point, he's now pretty old. He's old. He praises God for everything the Lord has done in giving them this land, but then warns the Israelites what idolatry and intermarriage with outsiders will do. He recounts all the history of Israel and tells the people to commit to Yahweh. This is the one true God, the creator God. So commit to Yahweh he finishes with one of the greatest challenges that has lasted for generations, even to us today. This is a challenge for us today in Joshua 24, verse 15. It says, "'And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, "'choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, "'whether the gods which your fathers served "'that were on the other side of the river, "'or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell.'" but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay. That is like, that is a famous verse, right? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What, who are you serving? Are you serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or are you serving the gods of the Amorites, the little G gods, the fallen angels, the demigods that, that we're told are missed, but are not really missed. They are, they are real. Um, They are all created beings. So who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the one true God, creator, Yahweh? I mean, that's who I pick. But as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. So this great challenge he's giving to them, he's doing this final farewell address. And then chapter 24 concludes with the death of Joshua. He was 110 years old. So let's review just real quick. Chapters 1 through 12. So Joshua 1 through 12 this is this is the commission God commissioning Joshua they enter and conquer the promised land they take it. Then we have chapters 13 through 22 this is really God giving the instructions and Joshua handing them down for how to distribute the promised land, the portion, what tribes get what portion of the promised land. Chapters 23 and 24 is again his farewell address and then Joshua's death at the end of chapter 24. So if you haven't read this book, I would highly recommend it. Like I say, with, with all of the books, if you haven't like read the old Testament, it is so rich and there are so many lessons that we can learn and apply to ourselves today. And as you understand the old Testament, it makes the new Testament make way more sense and come alive because that was their history that's what the apostles knew, right? That was their biblical worldview um, at that time. That was their history. So understanding the story of Israel, honestly, is really important. And again, we can take these lessons from their successes, their failures, but what does it boil down to? It boils down to, do they obey God? When they obey God, what? guess what? The blessings flow. When they disobey God, there's consequences, so these failures and consequences, we can learn and apply to our life today. So remember that if you'd like the free download that accompanies this Walking Through the Bible series, head over to my website, www.jennymeyer.com slash walkingthroughthebible. I will put that link in the um, description of this show. This download is updated with each new podcast episode in this series. So if you've snagged it before, go ahead and snag it again, and it will have Joshua added to it. Thank you for bearing with me on this this. There was no way that I could, um, get that whole PDF designed and done prior to putting these out. But, um, it's just we're we're literally taking our time walking through the Bible. Um, again, this is part nine that we have up here with Joshua. So I'll be back next time with the book of Judges as we continue throughout the history of Israel and walking through the Bible chronologically. So until next time, I hope you are in the word.